Hi. Hello. How y'all doing? Uh, How you, doing? you know. <laughs> I'm here. Good. I'm alive. Great. That's good to hear, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, hi, welcome to Legendary Lasses. I'm Ashley. I'm KB. And I'm Sally. Ooh. What? That was quick on the fire. <laughs> what? Huh? You just, like, got in there quick with your name. Oh. Do you want me to, you want me to go along or being like, and I'm superstar fashion legend, makeup guru artist, Sally. Is that good? Very good. That's what I wanted. Thank you. <laughs> so before. <laughs> I thought of like, Sorry, I thought of just... Usador from Hella from the Magic Tavern. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what my brain just did. And I <laughs> had to restart my, my brain for a I'm also second. known as Gasmoenius Maester. <laughs> Champion of the Great Halls of Maracas. Devourer of Chaos. <laughs> Oh, oh, what a good podcast. Um, so today's uh, me episode. Um, and before I tell you who we're talking about today, I want to ask you guys a question. Okay. When you think of famous queens, who comes to mind? Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth. Okay. Mary Queen of Scots. Anyone else? Okay. And Queen Victoria. Yeah. Sure. Interesting that we're hitting just Great Britain. I know. I I was like, there's more um, Queen Amadala? <laughs> more countries out to there. Say- Queen Amadala? Yeah, Are I- we talking about Queen Amadala from Star Wars? <laughs> uh, Queen Nefertiti. Ashley's face. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get us. A- it's a Padme situation. <laughs> there's a decoy. <laughs> um... Um, Queen uh, Queen Nefertiti. Okay, that's a good poll, Sally. Thank you. I was fully expecting one of you to say Marie Antoinette. Oh, is that who yeah. we're covering today? No. <laughs> Mary Queen um, of Scots. You already said that. I already no. did. <laughs> <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking about one of my personal favorite queens. I think um, I might know who it is, and I'm so excited. <gasps> Queen Christina of Sweden. Yes! That's going to make for great audio. I'm sorry, but I'm very excited. It's great. It's great. Why should I be so ex- Why should I be excited about this person? Because she's possibly one of the most influential royals that does not get discussed as much. And it's horrifying to me. Okay. But also, sorry, my mom just texted me. I, no. Is it a cute picture of Mocha? No, she asked me if I'm thinking about using a certain art style for the graphic novel I've been working on. But no, it's not. You're working on a graphic Um, novel? Sort of, yeah. Anyway. Um... (laughs) Also, Queen Christina is known as the Girl King. Yes, you've talked about her. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So this is why we're covering her is because I love her. She's a baller. She's a lover. She's a boss ass bitch. (laughs) And she is not here to mess around. I feel like we were going to have sort of a repeat of our Dr. James Miranda Barry because you're like the Girl King. Or is she just a boss ass bitch? Or did she joke it? I don't know. We'll get there. <laughs> so, in this first section, I want to go ahead and give a little bit of background to make it clear why her reign is important and why her life is important, basically. So, we're going to have a little bit of historical background information first. So, stick with me, you guys. So she was born to King Gustav and Queen Mariah Eleonora on December 18th, 1626, which is also another reason we're doing this. I said that I was staying away from Victorians for a little bit. <laughs> so 
I just want to have it clear that I almost did a Victorian person. Mm-hmm. But no, we're not. We're 1600s. <laughs> um, Christina was actually originally pronounced as a boy at the time of her birth due to being, quote unquote, very hairy and, quote, screamed with a strong, hoarse voice. Mommy! <laughs> Mommy! <laughs> Oh dear. I'm a mother's boy. <laughs> Mommy, I want to go on my I want to take my nap nap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> like did it anyway. did this did this kid have the voice of like Barry White is like <laughs> Or like, James Earl Jones? <laughs> or like <laughs> I hope she talks like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But anyway. (laughs) After admitting to their mistakes, the maids informed the royal couple that they had had their third daughter. Their first child was actually stillborn, and their second was born in 1623, but died the year after. So King... Yeah. King Gustav, though, was elated... And is said to have stated, quote, she'll be clever. She has made fools of us all. <laughs> Which I think is the best thing for this king to say. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I think when we think about royal fathers, we think of either Henry VIII, um, mm-hmm. who's like, I need a son. Behead her. Yeah. Would um, not have had the same reaction. Yeah. A completely different reaction, right? Or I think we think of, like, Tsar Nicholas II, mm-hmm. who's like, okay, I have daughters. I'm still ruling my country. I li- I love them, but, like, I got stuff going on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, kind of, like, loving yeah. but distant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> I think this kind of reaction is particularly fascinating for a royal father to have because it is a girl. Yeah. It could have gone very mm-hmm. differently. Yes. But by all accounts, King Gustav was a doting father and spared no expense on educating his daughter. The main reason for this, though, is that the crown of Sweden is hereditary or was hereditary. I don't know if it is anymore. Um, but in the early 1600s, the king of Sweden was deposed and their descendants could no longer claim legitimacy to the throne. Therefore, ah. King Gustav's family held held the only claim to the crown but his legitimate younger brothers had already passed away and his half-sister Catherine became to be excluded from the legitimacy after she married a non-Lutheran ooh non-Lutheran in 1615 so I think we need to talk about the reformation like the protestant reformation yes Okay. So this is not in my notes. So um, help me out here, guys. Um, Martin Luther listed the who, grievances on yes. the door of the Catholic Church, right? Yes. And then. Yeah. And we have a whole lots bunch of, of countries war. get mad. Yeah. Yeah. And you're either a Catholic country or you're a Protestant country. Yep. Lots of war. In fact, the yes. Thirty Years' War is going to affect this family. Okay. So I think basis of what you all need to know is that you're either a Catholic country or you're a Protestant Lutheran country at this time. So this family is sort of pushed into a corner in terms of heirs to the throne after Gustav's death. <clears throat> Therefore, prior to leaving for Germany to defend the Protestant side of the Thirty Years' War... Gustav secured Christina's right to inherit the throne in case he would not return. Part of his order was that Axel Banner, his marshal, and who would become Lord Chancellor, um, would ensure that Christina received an education typical of a prince rather than a princess. Did you say his name was Axel Banner? This was a smart move on Gustav's part. Uh huh. That sounds the name like the name of a rock. This sounds like the name of a rock star from the '80s. Like I'm Axel Banner. I'm probably 
really butchering it. It's a Swedish name, but it is mm. A X E L last name B A N E R. Axel Banner to me. So, <laughs> should I yeah. attempt an, a Swedish accent <laughs> that will offend everyone? Sure. Is it going to be the Swedish chef from the Muppets? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Okay. <laughs> this was a smart move on Gustav's part, though, as he did die on November 6th, 1632, on the battlefield. You know how that death looked like? It was like, oh, horny, oh, horny. No. Oh, oh, no. Oh, my women. God. <laughs> oh, no, weapon. <women>, jo- <laughs> Oh, we're going to offend everyone in Sweden and they're never going to listen to us. Well, we can always cut this part out. No, it was good. It was funny. I think they'll embrace us. They'll embrace us. The the people of Sweden. Listen, we're charming. Can we just talk about for a minute that everyone... In Northern Europe, from like Sweden to Norway, are just beautiful to, and perfect. They're just beautiful. They're just the oh my god, they're beautiful. They're, they're beautiful. like giants, but they're beautiful. <laughs> and they have health care, and like they're just oh, they have got free health universal health care. Oh. It's oh. amazing. I want to live there. I want the people of Northern, like I want the people of Europe to embrace me, take me as their Same. as their own. Please, please adopt me. Get me out of this country, please. So while the inheritance of the throne was taken care of, the raising of Christina was still in question. Here's where our little background story gets a little sad. But also, like, juicy with family drama. So I'm here for it. So, yes, (laughs) we're going to spill some tea. Mariah Eleonora was said to have had a very volatile temperament. And it has been suggested that she went insane even prior to Christina's birth. To give you a little taste of what we're talking about, when King Gustav's body was brought home in a coffin from the war, Mariah ordered that the king should not be buried until she could be buried with him. Her demand included the order that the coffin should be kept open and in a viewing room where she would frequently go to see Gustav's decaying (gasps) corporeal form. Even going so far as to touch the body and ignoring all signs of putrefaction. Um, no, thank you. No, thank you. So eventually, (laughs) after seeing this as an embarrassment, Lord Chancellor Axel. Usually I'm not the one to break, but I just can't. We're going to have to get over okay. this because I can't pronounce his other name because he also has another name. <laughs> and uh, Axel was the best I okay. could get. <laughs> and he he's going to show up a lot in our story here. So. Okay. <laughs> so then I, mean, I can be the funny. ding dong. It, it, it sounds like a redneck name, but... Um, Either way, he saw no other solution than to have a guard posted at the room to prevent future episodes from Mariah and would have the king buried despite her orders on June 22nd, 1634, which is more than a year after the king's death. However, (laughs) Gustav had also left an order prior to leaving that he should not if he should not return to Sweden alive, that Christina should be cared for by his half sister Catherine and his brother okay. Carl. And is Catherine the who one would both that's act as been regent like until Christina came of age? Okay, gotcha. From inheriting, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. This did not go over well with Mariah. <laughs> Um, particularly as she had had Catherine banned from the castle years earlier. (laughs) And I have no idea why she was banned, but there you go. In 1634, though, the chancellor also introduced a new constitution that stated the quote-unquote king must have a privy council that was headed by the Lord Chancellor. This sounds suspicious to me. 
Mm. But part of me also wonders yeah. if it was an act of protection of Christina yeah. against her mother and eventual throne hunters. That would be after Christina for marriage. Mm-hmm. Seeing that Catherine and Carl were acting as regents and taking care of her own daughter, this caused further episodes with Mariah, and in 1636, it would come to a climax when she would be exiled to Gripsholm Castle. Meanwhile, the governing regency would decide when she was allowed That's to meet That's a lot for a nine-year-old. Again. And at this point, I believe Christina's about nine. Yeah. Yeah. Also, can you imagine being a child in this castle for, like, the year her father was just, like, out and dead? Like, that... Like, I, 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 Part of me wonders if, like, they protected her from that. Like, you you probably don't need to see your father rotting to death. But still, like, the thought of just, like, oh, my, like, dad's in the other room. He's rotting. There's probably bugs and shit out of his eyeballs and stuff, you know? Which is great. So for three years, Christina thrived in the company of her aunt and her family. However, in 1638, Catherine died. The Royal Regency Council, headed by the Chancellor, saw the need to appoint a new foster mother to Christina. I'm sorry, I was reading the Chancellor, and I had the Chancellor Axel... But I was like, nope, we're going to laugh again. So I'm just going to say the chancellor. But then I started laughing. Okay. The Royal Regency Council, headed headed by the chancellor, saw the need to appoint a new foster mother to Christina, but wanted to avoid the future ruler from becoming dependent on a single person again. Mostly so she wouldn't form such a close attachment and yeah. It sounds like so she would avoid being hurt again in that way. Because mm-hmm. now she's lost, like, three parents. Um, therefore, they did split the duties of what would usually be two female courtiers' jobs. Oh, and they split it into four. <laughs> Duty. a big duty <laughs> this is strange that they would split this to me because like I said I, I think it was again a protection thing but if you're also appointing a new foster mother you are appoint- appointing a courtier to take the role of a mother mm-hmm. like humans need that form of attachment her yes. real mother is still exiled her father her foster mother has just died who's also her aunt I mean, she must have been grieving for both of them and her father, and she's only 12 years old at this point. Fuck. So, I can't even imagine. However, the council does uphold the deceased king's wish that Christina be educated as a prince. Theologian Johannes Gothus became her tutor in religion, philosophy, Greek, and Latin. The chancellor taught her politics and primed her to be a tactician. He would later write about the 14-year-old Christina, saying, saying, quote, she is not at all like a female, and that she, quote, possesses a bright intelligence. Okay, Axel. So for him, those two things don't (laughs) don't Don't go go together. I know. Great judge of character. a Axel. lot with my voice this episode that I know, is like I, grating I've and got questions about Axel. not at all my usual like dulcet tones so I apologize <laughs> oh dear I Do like I it. it go with it go with it KB it's like we got three chaotic neutrals on this episode yeah we do <laughs> in the, a great the young Chris <laughs> it's great the young Christina would have lessons for 10 hours every day and eventually learned at least seven other languages, which included wow. German, Dutch, Danish, French, Italian, Arabic, and Hebrew. Her other lessons also included fencing, horseback riding, and wait for it, 
bear hunting. What? Bear hunting. Like Who's hunting bears? What about what about bar- what about what bargain bears? What about bargain hunting? I don't think they were worried about that cuz they got money. I think it's just a good skill to have overall. I'd put it on a resume. Oh, I that I is can true. I can roller skate. I've got a typing speed of a thousand. Um, a, I'm great at a bargain thousand, hunting. A thousand? A thousand what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's Characters like a Dragon Ball Z like level. You know, you got to okay. tell them. <laughs> this is a real weird reference, but you got to tell them to put on the like half eyeglass. Yeah. And they'll just look at you and be like. Her typing's a thousand! <laughs> That's what I imagine in this scenario. <laughs> Man, that I was have... a really good pull too, KB. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about Dragon Ball Z in ages. <laughs> so, in 1644, at the age of 18, Christina was declared an adult and ready to take the crown. Her coronation was postponed, however, as Sweden was at war with Denmark since December 1643. Here's where we're going to take our break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about Christina's reign of Sweden. Okay. Maybe more about (laughs) her during the reign. It's a lot, you guys. (laughs) All right, we'll see you after. Well, we won't see you. I guess we'll be talking to your ear holes after the break. (laughs) Part two. Here we go. At the time of her reign, Christina... Nope. At the time of Christina's reign, Sweden controlled virtually all of the Baltic Sea with unrestricted access to the North Sea, which made them a very powerful force to be reckoned with. However, this is not where Christina found her power or pride of being a ruler. Four years into her rule, so 1648... Christina commissions 35 paintings from Jacob, I think it's Jordan's, for a ceiling piece in Uppsala Castle. One year later, 760 paintings, 107 marble and 100 bronze statues, 33,000 coins and medallions, 600 crystal pieces, 300 scientific instruments, manuscripts, and books are all transported to Stockholm. Wow. Christina desired for Sweden to become a capital capital of philosophical thought, art, and scientific thinking. She began to collect men of learning in her court, and her desire to obtain books and rare manuscripts was said to be at a level it could have been considered mania. During this time, her cousin Charles Gustav would propose to her many times. She would refuse him every time. Oh, Thank goodness. Even the last time. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Charles again in a second here. <laughs> At the age of nine, the Catholic religion had already made its impression on the importance of celibacy. And being a female ruler, Christina had interested in it, picked up a book, a, a biography, really, about Elizabeth I of England. Mm who I think we all know her by her name, the Virgin Queen. Mm -hmm. It is clear that Christina understood what was expected of her in terms of biology, but wrote in her autobiography that she felt, quote, an insurmountable distaste for marriage and, quote, for all the things females talked about and did. Wow. This is from her autobiography. (laughs) This girl. I love her. She's great. (laughs) Her days certainly did not look like the other ladies of court's days. Being chiefly occupied by her studies, Christina is said to have slept only about three to four hours a night. Fuck that! Would forget to 
<laughs> yeah. Would forget to comb her hair, which would eventually become a trademark of hers. Donned clothes in a hurry. Wore men's shoes for the, quote, sake of convenience. And historical accounts include regular reference to her physical features, mannerisms, and styles of dress. Apparently, she had a bent back, deformed chest, and irregular shoulders, which the shoulder thing, Christina thought that one of her maids dropped her as a baby, Mm -hmm. and it injured her shoulder, and it made them grow at different heights. So she was kind of lopsided in her shoulders. Mm -hmm. I'm just Googling a picture of her. Hold on. I need need a visual aid. Mm Mm-hmm. Let me know when you're ready. Is this getting into into any, like, Habsburg-level issues where, like, you have royals marrying each other and then they have weirdly deformed children? Is that, like... I don't don't think so. I, I think we have to take into account that even at her birth, she's declared a different gender. Mm hmm and I think physically she just, there were birth defects. Mm-hmm. And if we think of Queen Mariah, she seems to have some sort of mental issue, mental health issue. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's something that's inherited, but I don't think it's because of incestuous royal okay. marriage. Is it the Habsburgs I'm thinking of? Yeah, you're like, thinking the Habsburg okay. chin. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> where were we? Oh, yes. However, as a result of conflicting and unreliable accounts, which some of them are just pure gossip about Christina, the way in which Christina is described even today is a matter of debate. There is debate as well about her actual gender, due to the accounts of descriptions of her as an adult, some things she said about her own body that I can't specifically find because I can't put my hands on a copy of her autobiography. Her personality and even the account of her birth. I think it is best to say for now that Christina, the the phrase I used f- is flirted with androgyny, mm-hmm. and Veronica Buckley describes her as a quote unquote dabbler, which I think is very fitting, and I think mm. you'll see why. So this is one of the reasons that I'm interested in Christina is because she. I don't talk about it as much because I want to talk about her life, but she does at certain points in time don trousers. She will wear men's coats. She dresses like a man every now and then, but then she'll wear like shockingly cut dresses that offends the Pope later on. Like, <laughs> she, like she, she just does these things. <laughs> and I, that's why I think like dabbler and like flirting with androgyny is, kind of how I see her. I feel like if I was a 17th century Protestant monarch, my entire life would revolve around offending the Pope. It's with mm-hmm. something. We're going to get there. <laughs> oh, dear. Because <laughs> everything kind of changes. So she also caused quite a scandal among the nobility of Sweden when she announced, when I say nobility, I mean literally the courtiers, and then everyone else was fine with it. So here we go. <laughs> she announced she did not intend to ever marry, and then announced her cousin, Charles Gustav, as her presumptive heir. <laughs> so in so 1649. She- <laughs> Wait. <laughs> she pulled a, I don't want to marry you, but. You're like a son to me, is yeah, what that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's I'm getting the there. ultimate friend zone. The ultimate. Oh, <laughs> but the we're gonna like. I'm about to tell you why it was such a smart move. Okay. So in 1649, Christina was trying to reduce the influence that Axel had over the throne and the council. So it, to do so. On February 26th of 1649, she declares Charles Gustav as her heir presumptive. And it was a move that essentially adopted Charles rather than marrying him, like we just said. 
But not only was this a sly move to make him stop proposing, but it is also a bold choice to indicate her job as a woman queen was fulfilled by producing an heir, which takes the burden of forced marriage off of her. And Damn. that's why she's a boss ass bitch. Yeah. <laughs> she Luke, killed like oh. three birds with a half a stone. Yeah. Like, this, I love her. I love her. <laughs> but Christina is not without her own love affairs. Oh. Her closest quote unquote friend <laughs> was named Ebba, I think it's Spare. It's S P A R R E. Spar, Spare. What do you guys think? Mm, I don't know. I'm going to go with spare. Yeah. Mm. So when the English ambassador Whitelock came to Sweden, spare was introduced by Christina herself as her quote unquote bedfellow. Oh. And praised both spare's mind and beauty to the ambassador. Christina would often call spare Belle, which in French is beautiful. And most of her time was spent with La Belle Comtesse, which is spare. <laughs> so here's where we get into more debate about Christina. Some people think she died a heterosexual female virgin. Others are like, nah, she's full out lesbian. But she also did carry on a very long conversation through letter with Descartes and would go to France and assumedly met with him. Um, and there they kind of have this like flirty thing. So there's like, she's straight or she's a lesbian. Maybe she's bisexual. Maybe she's a hermaphrodite. Like people are, up in arms about like what is she why do what do we know about her yeah. and I guess my question here is like does it matter That's I think it's I a lot like thinking. it's like the whole like I think of Prince like yeah Prince is so mysterious and like that's why there's uh -huh. so much intrigue like and at the end of the day you're just like Prince is just great I don't fucking care yeah. Well, I think it's also, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. Like, it's, I think everybody just liked Christina. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's an appeal to us even now that's like, who is this person? Like, yeah. how is she doing all this stuff? And, like, she's just doing whatever she wants. And I think that, I think that's alluring, um, this kind of confidence that she seems to have. Yeah. So it's like everybody just wants to be with Christina. Yeah, it's a lot like Prince or David Bowie. Yeah. Like them intrigue. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I will say from my reading, I think the closest I could identify her would be some sort of pansexuality. Okay. Where, and possibly like... Help me with the word. What's the attracted to intelligence? Um, Demisexual, maybe. No, it's what is um, it? it's. Hold on. Hold on. I've got a Google box. I, I can check here. Demisexual is like you have to be like into the person as a person, I guess, and it encompasses like intelligence and personality and stuff like Sapiosexual. that. Sapiosexual. Sapiosexual. Yes, yeah. Intelligence specifically. Yeah. I think it's more to do with that. Mm -hmm. I, I think she's she is attracted to incredible minds who th think differently than her and who can carry on a conversation. I think that's what's alluring to her. Mm. Um, so I think it has more to do with the intelligence of a person rather than their biological sex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's been the theme for her entire life. It's mm -hmm. like she doesn't want to be beholden to, like, these biological parts of what it means to be human. She's really focused on, like, she's doing all of her studies and knows seven yeah. languages and all of this stuff. And it's very focused on, like, what are my studies? What can we know? And like you said, she's collecting these sort of intellectuals and mm -hmm. things like that. So that's her entire focus in life, not just with, like... Yeah 
how she runs her country, but also how she runs her life and how she runs her love life, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, which which to me is, like, why I don't think it necessarily matters to say, you know, she's in love with women, she's in love with men, she's a virgin. Like, I don't think it matters. I th- it's intellectual pursuit is her main goal for everything. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it would only make sense that she is sexually attracted to intelligence yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I think back to, to, I think it was our Sappho episode when we talked about like those kinds of labels that we have now mm. don't necessarily perfectly fit historical figures. Yeah. And barring us like getting in a time machine, going back and asking them can never like know 100%. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's something to be said for like you can see part of yourself in someone. So again, I don't yeah, know how the much... identity being able to identify with right. So I don't know how much like how much good it does to say like she is X Y or Z and that is all she is. But I do appreciate the fact yeah. that like people can identify with certain parts of her. So right, mm-hmm. and like this is something that I really struggle with because I I am drawn to these characters of history who are outside of the norm and are usually biologically born female, Mm -hmm. um, but present themselves another way. This is, it's something I struggle with because I I don't know if we should put a classification on it and say, Oh, maybe they were trans or maybe they're just a lesbian and this, this is the way that they can live. Like I, I'm very drawn to these people, but I, I don't know if this is something that matters if what they did in their life is more important. Mm. Um, so something that I really struggle with, and, and it's something that I like researching and I like talking about these people, but it, it I know for us today it's, it's hard to talk about people without identifying and, and qualifying something. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know, like, what do you guys, besides the, like, being able to identify with a, a person in history, like, what is your guys' take on that now? Hmm. I mean, it does ride that fine line. I think a lot of it's just, like, I think it's maybe, let me phrase, um, oh, I, I was just gonna say, I think it's maybe important to talk about. I don't think it's something that should be excluded. Mm-hmm. But also, like, one of the things with um, her particularly is you were talking about she brought all this great art and, you know, mm-hmm. science and all of this uh, to Sweden. And that's not really what we hear about from her, at least from, like, my understanding of her. And yeah. I just, it makes me wonder why we haven't heard more about that, because, you know, we talk about, like... Elizabeth was such a great patron of the theater and like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. we talk about like Velasquez being the court painter in Spain and all of this stuff and Mm -hmm. specifically royals as patrons of the arts and sciences. But like, that's Mm -hmm. not what I know about her. So Mm -hmm. I do think it's like a fine balance you have to walk. And I'm like you, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what, what balance you should strike as far as those things about identity that are still important to her, but also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how much do we need to make sure that doesn't like overshadow the other accomplishments and the other yeah. contributions that she's right. made. I think we should, I think we should at least acknowledge it, but mm-hmm. like we were saying, like don't let it overshadow their accomplishments because right from what, what it sounds like, she got shit done. Yeah. yeah. And we don't like we don't hear about it a lot. We're like, "Oh, it's the it's the was it the woman king that you were yet you talked about or like we talk about things like that or like her identity, which like is important, mm. but that's what isn't the focus. Like mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I think particularly with her, people seem to get caught up on it because of she's declared a boy at birth. And then her father says, we're going to raise her like a prince. And then she starts behaving masculine, 
in a masculine manner for a portion of her life or during certain times of her life. And I think that's where people get hung up. They're like, oh, wait, it's like a start-stop thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess... I guess what it comes down to is I am I am drawn to these characters who act differently than what is the norm of their time. That tends to be women who pr- who present themselves as male to accomplish a certain thing mm-hmm. or just present themselves as male. And that's what first attracts me to them, but then they've done all these amazing things and that's what keeps me there. Mm. And that's why we so have this podcast. I, yeah, and I think that's that's kind of how I'm leaning on presenting stuff. Like when I do research, of like, yep, here's the controversial stuff, but let's talk about what she did. Mm-hmm. Because I, yeah, like we were saying, I think it is important. But any anyway, I'd I'd love to hear people's take on that. Mm-hmm. Like any of our listeners, yeah. I'd love to hear your take on like how much is important for us to take to to talk about because i also don't want to get into like erasure yeah yeah we, we shouldn't do that like i said we should at least acknowledge it and yeah because like with her friend her friend <laughs> quote unquote Ebba, <laughs> that's all she's referred to in any documents that i found or articles that i found was her friend but it's like she introduced this woman as her bedfellow. Mm. And even at the time their suspicion that they were having a sexual relationship. What if they were what if what if she was just really good at cuddling and they liked to play Scrabble? <laughs> I mean, that's a good bedfellow friend, I guess. Exactly. But I don't I don't think that was the case, yeah, particularly I think, I think seeing Christina's letters. <laughs> oh, there were letters? Oh, okay. There's letters, girl. There's letters. Oh, wow. <laughs> they, they be fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you have to say it like that? What? No, never mind. Don't. You want to say it again? <laughs> no. Due to her rigorous studies and days of ruling, Christina suffered an attack, which has been interpreted as a ment- as a nervous breakdown. Um, and this is when she's like 25. Wow. She suffered from high blood pressure, complained of poor eyesight and pain in her neck. That's called stress, baby. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is called stress. That's called adulting. (laughs) Sounds like me at work. I'm like, I'm Um, relating to her a lot. So much, right? (laughs) I know. She's so relatable. I know, girls. She's just like. Ladies, I know. She's perfect. I love her. She's perfect. She's a goddess. She's wonderful. The time way back time machine. I need it. Gonna go hang out with Christina. Anyway, in 1651, and I'm sorry, I don't have an exact date on this, which is strange because I think there would be an exact date. Mm-hmm. But 1651, Christina suddenly collapsed, and her court doctor was called in. However, she dismissed him and employed a French doctor by the name of Pierre. Bord- mm-hmm. Bordelot, maybe? Um, in February 1652. Being that it's in February 1652, I'm going to say she probably collapsed s- kind of late 1651. Mm-hmm. November, December, maybe. Mm-hmm. But unlike most doctors of his time, Pierre refused to administer bloodletting. Good. Which is still a very Good. prevalent medical practice at the time. Instead, Glad they did that. his orders were, <laughs> yeah. Instead, his orders were for Christina to rest. Good and simply rest. <laughs> he asked her to well, yeah, stop working sleeping. and. S- <laughs> yeah, she's t- she's sleeping three or four hours a day. That's a nap mm-hmm. for me. That's a nap. Yeah. Yeah. He asked her to stop working and studying for 10 plus hours a day. He ordered the books from her apartments to be removed. His prescription was healthy meals, warm baths, and much rest, and for her to actually take part in life. I feel like Through- this is like in Sword in the Stone when Madame Mem gets the dragon pox or whatever, and Merlin's like, girl, you need sunshine, and like pokes a hole in her roof. And she's like, no! <laughs> That's what I feel like happened here. 
<laughs> Probably. I can just see Christina's face going red at the mention of removing books from her apartment. I have to take a bath and wash my hair and like that's what I. What do you mean I have to comb it? Yeah, exactly. Because she's so like unkempt. I feel like she would be mm-hmm. like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, however, through his encouragement, he also began undermining Christina's principles as a Lutheran. Oh. And he reportedly gave Christina 16 erotic poems by an Italian poet philosopher. I'm scandalized. And after... <laughs> Katie Beth, you did a mix of like a pearl clutch and a... <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I wish we were a visual medium. <laughs> Maybe we need to be a visual medium, too. Maybe we should start recording our chats and put it on YouTube. Mm. But anyway, um, through conversations with this Pierre, um, Christina found herself taking on a more Epicurean lifestyle, which I think think it's interesting when we'll talk about more religious views which is coming up next but anyway pierre is dismissed from service after so many complaints from courtiers to christina about him and like nobody liked this guy you guys (laughs) nobody liked him um and he would return to france in 1653 quote unquote Laden in riches and curses. Oh. <laughs> so nobody liked him. <laughs> but listen, so who's really his... winning here? Okay. He is on the forefront <laughs> of medicine, true. got to go hang out in Sweden in the royal court with this cool lady, and left with, mm-hmm. a, based on what you just said, a substantial amount of money. So, like, yeah. he's not doing too bad. No. No. So here's where we're going to get into religion again. So we're in about 1638 through 1650s during this period. So it's still very Reformation-y. Yeah. (laughs) But Sweden is a Protestant country. They are Lutheran. Lutheran. I say it like a Texan. They're Lutheran. (laughs) So Sweden is Lutheran. And her religious views are extremely tied in with her philosophical science art views. Yeah. Um, So this causes another stir in the Swedish court. First of all, her tutor, Johannes, that we talked about at the beginning... Mm -hmm had been attempting to start a new school system in Sweden since 1638. His system would bring a much gentler attitude toward education than most Lutheran schools at the time. It did not get approved. Um, In 1644, Johannes would suggest a new church order, but it would be voted down as it was interpreted to be, quote-unquote, Krypton crypto calvinism uh, um can somebody explain calvinism really quick um predestination's a big thing yeah, yeah. um i'm trying um, to i didn't think to frantically remember all the john calvin i have read in my life and i'm drawing a blank but predestination uh, so it's a <laughs> faith alone or like yeah um Justification by faith alone and emphasizes mm-hmm. the grace of God and the doctrine of predestination. Yeah. There so. we go. Thank you. I didn't think to clarify that because I didn't think about it. But yes, that is it. So even though it was interpreted as crypto-Calvinism, Christina would come to the defense of Johannes against Axel, but the proposal would eventually be withdrawn. In 1647, the clergy of the like church of sweden right so all these lutherans wanted to introduce the book of concord which is a book that defines correct lutheranism versus heresy and made some aspects of free theological thinking impossible Hmm. 
obviously both Johannes and Christina leapt to oppose this book and it never became introduced. Good. Yes. Good. So (laughs) obviously she has an obsession with higher thinking and philosophy and has had long conversations with many philosophical men. But the one that we're going to talk about that's most important to her story is Portugal's ambassador, Antonio Macedo. The two of them had many conversations about philosophers like Copernicus and Kepler, but Macedo was a Jesuit. Mm. In August of 1651, Christina wrote a letter to Macedo's general in Rome. I'm not sure exactly what this letter was saying, but from what I gather, it's probably more of an invitation to the court. However, sending this letter is not exactly a good thing for her to do as a ruler of a Protestant country. I was about to say, that's going to go over great. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So in order to get this letter to his general, Macedo actually smuggled the letter on his person out of Sweden to Rome in 1652, 51. So in reply to this letter... Paolo Cassati, who is an Italian Jesuit mathematician, and Francisco Melenis, I'm so sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that last name, um, came to Sweden in 1652, in the summer of 1652, um, and while there they would be trained in natural sciences and theology in the court. With the two men being there, Christina took full advantage of having them in court to have discussions on Catholic views of sin immortality of the soul, rationality, and free will. (laughs) In May of 1652, Christina decides to convert to Roman Catholicism. How well do you think this went over in her Protestant country? I think it went, I think it went over great. Didn't we see how badly this went in England? Like, (laughs) yeah. Yikes. (laughs) Um, So here we are, February 1654. In February, Christina plainly told her council her plans to abdicate the throne of Sweden. Wow. This is not just because of her religious change of view. This is also, again, pressures to marry are being forced upon her again. Mm. Um, Mostly by nobility. Yeah. She's come under criticism for the amount of money that is being spent on art. Um, She's coming under criticism for the amount of money that is being doled out to regular people to make them nobility and give them titles. Um, There is a lot of her reign that does have a sense of naivety. What is it? That sounds right. Yeah, where she's she's just a little bit naive about certain things, mm. but I think it comes from a good place of <clears throat> she sees people of her country struggling and she wants to elevate them to a certain level. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, the number of nobles doubled wow. during her 10-year rule. So there is a lot of money being thrown around, which a lot of people are unhappy about. Mm. So... And with along with her desire to continue learning and continuing studying, but being able to access things that are not accessible to her in Sweden. So there's a, there's a lot of things that come into this, but she does plan to abdicate. Events, eventually, during her announcement, the Lord Chancellor told her that it was utter nonsense and she would regret her decision within a few months. Nonetheless, she like proceeded with her... Yeah. Nonetheless, she proceeded with her plan and she secured a pension for herself that would also have incoming revenue through what sounds like selling or leasing of estates that she owned. Which I'm not sure how it works if it technically belongs to the crown, but I'm not sure. But that's what it sounds like. On June 6th, 1654, Christina officially abdicated her throne in favor of her heir presumptive, Charles Gustav. The abdication ceremony took place at Uppsala Castle. 
Dressed in all of her official regalia, Christina stood before the council as each piece of her dress was ceremoniously removed one by one. I think this person's name is Pear Bra. Pear Bra. I'm so sorry. I think. Or Per Bray. Oh, dear. Sorry, it's, it's I shouldn't make fun of this names. person's name. <laughs> but like... But anyway, he's a council member. Okay. He was assigned the job to remove the crown from Christina's head during this ceremony. Okay. Okay. When it came time to remove the crown, he refused to move and do his duty. Therefore, Christina removed the crown herself and was left wearing a simple... (laughs) It was left wearing a simple white taffeta dress. She addressed everyone in a, quote, faltering voice thanked them for their service and that she was leaving the throne to Charles Gustav, who would be crowned later that same day. Within a few days, Christina left Sweden. Dressed in men's clothing, Christina rode horseback through Denmark, who's still rough with Sweden. Like, tensions are very high between Denmark and Sweden at this time. So she couldn't go alone, obviously. So Mm -hmm. she has a Spanish earl, poet, and fellow Roman Catholic accompany her through Denmark and despite leaving her country she would continue to write to Ebba Spare consistently throughout her life in which every letter she would always promise that she would always love her. Christina's life after abdication is so varied and adventurous that it would be impossible to cover in the same episode so I think we will revisit her she goes to Paris, she goes to Rome, she makes friends with the Pope, they hang out all the time. When she's dying, she calls the Pope, is like, yo, God forgives me, right? And he's like, of course, and she dies. Like, <laughs> girl, ladies, her life is insane. And at, like, one point, like I said, she makes him angry because she wears this, like, scandalously, scandalously, scandalously. <laughs> I can't, I'm so excited that I can't even talk. She is scantily clad at this Pope shindig, and he is like, what the hell? And he, she's like, I'm so sorry, forgive me. And he's like, I guess I'll forgive you because you're a cool beach, but like, don't do that again. And she's like, okay, I won't. <laughs> and she did it again. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, it, her life is so varied. She, I mean, she continues learning throughout her entire life. She continues commissioning great art. And, and like I said, she's probably one of the most influential figures that we don't talk about because she does encourage so much art in philosophy and scientific thinking. She has her own, um, like, drawn-up inventions. Um, I mean, she she did so much. So it would be impossible to cover in one episode, so I hope we'll come back and revisit her. Yeah. But um, I highly encourage you to read more about her. There's also a great film called The Girl King, which is obviously about Christina. Um, and I think it, it does a good job of showing how involved she is, but how young and naive she was going into it still even though she was very educated um and it also does a very good job of showing how compassionate she is about her people um her autobiography is sort of hard to find but there are some reprint copies available through thrift books for like 25 bucks so cool and that's part of queen christina of sweden's life (laughs) I'd be really interested to study her from an art history perspective Mm. because I feel like I haven't heard a lot about her. And we, I mean, you and I both had that course that was like around the same time, like a little bit earlier that Mm -hmm. focused specifically on things like royals and patronage and, you know, many other things, but yeah, mm. and I feel like she doesn't get talked about in that way. So, I, And I'd be really interested to look at it from the perspective of since she begins Protestant and then becomes Catholic and the mm-hmm. art at the time is very religiously charged and different religious mm-hmm. groups have different views about how art should be. So I would be really interested to look at that. 
Yeah. I, I, actually, going off of that, I think it'd be very interesting to see, because we've kind of talked about the idea before of, like, self-curating your own identity. Yes. And I'm curious to see if portraits that she commissions of herself change mm. um, from Protestant to Catholic. Yeah. Um, because, like you said, it is very... Um, what was the word you used? Um, religiously driven mm-hmm. in the art world at the time because that's who was commissioning it, who was able to commission work yeah. because they had money. But um, Well, we talked about it with Artemisia too, yeah. and when she's like moving cities, her style changes a little bit because, you know, mm-hmm. one's Catholic, one's, you know, doing this other thing over here, and so it, yeah. it changes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see her self-portraits. Mm-hmm. Is Artemisia easy or, around this time? No, she's like a century earlier, right? I mean, Caravaggio and all of that is going on late 1500s, right? I think. Yeah, so... Yeah, so not right too far around. off. Yeah. Not too far off. <sighs> if they could have run into each other. <laughs> Um, also not really part of the topic, but kind of part of the topic. I need you all to watch the show Gentleman Jack. Yeah, I think you were telling me about this. Yes, I didn't sleep last week for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons was that I binged the entire series (laughs) in two nights. (laughs) Um, I love it. It takes place in Yorkshire, so there's some great accents. I just, I love a good country English accent. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but, um, it's amazing. And it's about another badass beach who dresses like a dude. So, you know, but cool was there anything else you guys want to say about christina i'm just i'm glad that we finally got to her because i know she's been someone that's like on your radar a little bit and that we've talked Mm, about before mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i'm glad we finally got to talk about her and then i'm excited to talk like even more about what happened in her life afterward yeah yeah for sure yeah i I'm kind of interested in exploring the similarities uh, between her and Elizabeth at the first. Um, Particularly as she read an autobiography about Elizabeth, I'm interested in like how she varied her own life and her choices. Yeah. But I'm mostly interested in it to write a play (laughs) about them. Yeah. So get your acting boots ready, ladies. We're doing a play. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway. Cool. Well, thanks, you guys, for listening to my story about Queen Christina. Yeah. Uh, I love her so much. And I hope you all love her so much, too. Yeah. And really, if there are any listeners who have any thoughts about how we talk about people like Christina... I'm very interested to know your thoughts. Please, please email me. Legendarylasses at gmail.com. That's TB, perf- do you want to do our outro? I was about to say, that's a perfect transition into our outro. <laughs> um, so yes, you can email us, um, legendarylasses at gmail.com. And we're also on social media. Uh, we've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, that's all at Legendary Lasses, so you can find us that way as well. Um, we're on several different podcast platforms. Um, you know, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify. So be sure to check us out um, with your favorite one of those. If you use one that happens to have a rating system, definitely give us a rating and leave us a review. That really helps us out a lot, and we like to know what you think. And um, if you would like to and you feel so inclined, you can also donate to our podcast. Um, it's anchor.fm slash legendarylasses, and there's an option to contribute to the podcast there if you like. 
And what else am I missing? I feel like I'm missing something. Also, I need to eat because I haven't eaten today. Same. And it's 11 o'clock at night. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, and I've been at work since 9.30 this morning. So I'm going to say we're good here. But thanks again for listening, guys. I hope you ladies liked my story about Christianity. Yes. Was it dramatic and juicy? It was dramatic. It was juicy. It had everything I like about a story. Good work. (laughs) I love how animated you were. (laughs) That was great. All right. Well, I guess that's it, you guys. We got to do our last thing. Oh, yeah. You got to do our last thing. I'm so sorry. I forgot. Oh, my God. I'm a terrible podcaster. (laughs) Now, go out. Make waves, change history, and stay legendary. And kick some ass! And kick some ass! Sorry, Sally can't record anymore. (laughs) And also be a boss-ass bitch. (laughs) Sally's broken. (laughs) Okay, bye! Bye!